I am going to start the record. Oh no, I have, uh, yes. Well, I'm glad I've started the recording. Can I ask one more thing, as if I haven't asked you enough tonight? Will you do us a favor? I didn't know this, but will you be so kind as to subscribe to the YouTube channel and to the 500 words? Here's why, and I didn't know this. Uh, if you subscribe, what happens is Google says you've got more subscribers. We're going to put this website more forward. And so www.simplygod.net. If you subscribe to the 500 words, first of all, it does come to you and you see what the new one is. And it's much easier to share with friends. That, that's very important. Oh, uh, uh, Auntie Agatha, I read this this morning and I just felt this is something you needed to see. But it's very easy if it comes to you by email. So please will you subscribe. But I also didn't know this. I only learned this this week. YouTube. If you get a hundred subscribers, YouTube will let you call it by your name. Simply God. Until then, we have got this codified name. So it's very hard to find us. So if you could subscribe, that's great. Uh, even better if you actually read and interacted and gave your comments and gave your questions. There you go. I really am finished with the announcements now. Right. Let's turn to the Bible. If you go to your mobile phones, go to www.simplygod.net. Click on the God Talks and you will see there is an outline of everything there for you tonight. The passage, the points and two other passages we're going to refer to. Genesis chapter 32. And guess what? Tonight, I'm going to read it because it's not a long passage. Genesis 32 from verse 22. The same night, Jacob arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, saying, for I've seen God face to face, yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Let's pray. Oh God, 
our Father. We come to the end of a term, 10 studies, studying this, this, this man, Jacob. But it's not Jacob we want to know. It's actually you. And you have preserved this history for us so that we can know you. Astonishing. We can know the same God that Jacob encountered. I'm asking tonight that you will let us encounter you. In your word, may we meet you, some of us for the first time, some of us again, whatever, meet with us in your word, we pray. Amen. Now you all have heard of the fight and the flight mode. Everyone knows fight, flight. Um, I, I'm going to show off. It's part of the sympathetic um, uh, nervous system. See, I said something I know nothing about. Um, but what happens, but I do know about fight and flight, is that when you encounter something that is dangerous or just unknown, your body triggers a response of either fight or flight. But tonight I want to just tease that out a little bit because actually that's a, and I love just polar opposites, but it's more to it than that. Because it's not just fight and flight. There are, to help you, and you may find it helpful, there are five Fs. Yep, five Fs. First of all, there is fight. You encounter something threatening, maybe you fight. This thing is bad, or if it's a person, you're wrong, whatever. You perceive a threat, and so you fight. The other one is flight. You look at something, and you're wrong, and you just want to, but, but I can't beat you, so I'm out of here. And you run, a monster, or something like that. The next F is freeze, where you just, you get stuck. You, you don't know, you, I don't, you know, uh, this is typical of perhaps domestic violence uh, victims of, you, you, where you can't fight and you can't fight. You're just stuck. You freeze. You can't move. Another F is flop, where you just fall down. You're right. I'm rubbish. I'm useless. I deserve to be beaten. You know, you just fall apart. Uh, you flop, you know, you fall down, I'm worthless, etc. All of those four Fs are responses that are triggered in us to something dangerous or something unknown. But Dwayne, um, I was counting and you said five Fs and there's, uh, you only did four. Well, there's another F. What about friends? What about friends. What happens if it turns out that this thing is actually not dangerous? Actually, it's not unknown, the boogeyman that you don't know. See, 
If it turns out that this thing in front of you is not dangerous and not unknown, if it turns out that this thing is actually on your side, then you can go to the F for friendship. Let me try and illustrate. And you're going to see why this is very important tonight. So let's make a story. I'm going to make this up. Let's say you grew up with a father who was excellent as a tradie. You grew up with a father who was Mr. Fix-It. You don't fix anything, you know. And so his tool shed looks like, you know, Bunnings just shrunk down a little bit. And it's got everything in it. And uh, you know those irritating people. You go in there and they've got outlines of where every tool goes. It's like immaculate, you know. And uh, you could open tin cans. He can do anything amazing, you know, because I find that one of the hardest projects in the world. But anyway, and so this dad of yours, he's amazing and his shed is like immaculate, you know, you know what. I'm, and the, along comes you, his son. Well, you've got a tool shed also. But your tool shed looks like some giant took Bunnings and shook it and turned it upside down. It is chaos. I mean, you've got those outlines, but they've been rubbed out and changed, and there's nothing on there anyway. It's just outlines now. And the whole, everything's broken, nothing works. There's tools you can't even remember what that thing was for. Now, your dad comes to visit. What are you triggered. You're triggered. Daddy's coming, and you know what your tools should. Well, let's go through the five Fs. You could fight. You could perceive this as a threat. As a danger. So what you're going to do is you're going to fight. Dad, Dad, you're so critical. You just want to judge me. Why do you want me to be like you? You love catching. you fighting. Because you perceive the danger. You could turn on the flight response. Well, I can't fight with my dad. Darling, darling. Dad's here. He's, he's coming down the driveway. He's going to knock on the door. Tell him I'm not here. Flight. Or like my mom used to do, run and jump in the bath. And then say, tell him I'm in the bath. And she is in the bath, so it's not a lie, you know, <laughs> as you stand there, you know. Flight. The third thing you could do is freeze. Just freeze. Hi, Dad. Smile. But your eyes are glazed over. You've run to find a happy place. And you smile warmly as you know Dad's looking at the mess and the, you know, and the broken things everywhere. But you, you're frozen. You just smile. You're not really there. Or you could flop. Fourth F. You could just say, oh, look, I'm so worthless. My dad's like Gabriel, the angel, and I'm rubbish. I'm useless. I'm a worthless son. I deserve punishment. In fact, you know what? I'll punish myself. And you just get depressed and you're worthless. And you end up punishing yourself because you're so bad. But of course, the fifth response, the fifth F is you could make friends. Hi, dad. Oh, dad. I'm so glad you're here. I can't get on top of my tool shed. Dad, won't you help me organize it, please? Because I'm useless. Come on. But do you see what I just did there? You can't make friends unless you believe your dad loves you and accepts you. Until you believe he accepts you for whatever messy person you are, you won't be able to treat him as a friend. More. Unless you lay down your pride, you can't make friends. Or if you carry on lying, 
You lock the shed and say, oh, gee, Dad, I've organized it. It is amazing. But I can't find the keys because it's locked. I'd love to show you, Dad, I've done a great job. Lying. You know, and how could you be so organized if you lost the keys? But hey, Dad's not a lawyer. But anyway, let's keep going. But you, can't, you see what I did there? Now, after that long introduction, what about your heavenly father? What about your... Is he dangerous? See, even now, if I speak to people about God, like where I walk my dog, you can see the fight response in some people. You can see the flight response in others. Is God an un... Or do you freeze? Say, you're here at church, but your eyes have glazed over and you've found a happy place. Because you're frozen. You just don't know what to do. Jacob spent most of his life in flight mode. Running. Right? If you've been coming here over the last 10 weeks, you will know that Jacob has run and run and run. Flight mode. But tonight, he's going to switch into fight mode. And the joy of joys, if you look on your mobile phones, look at the bottom passage. Uh, I put in a last verse there for you. And we saw this last week. In 33, verse 20, Jacob erects an altar to El Elohe Israel. He ends up calling God, my God. He becomes friends with God. That's what we're going to look at tonight as we end the series. That's why the series is called, which I keep pointing to where it isn't written, Fighting with God. And the point tonight is if you fight with God, the way to win is to lose. You'll see it. Four things. Number one. So let's look at the losses. Jacob lost his idols. Jacob lost his idols. Look with me. Chapter 32 from verse 22. The same night, Jacob arose, took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. Now, forgive me if you're a newcomer tonight. There's a whole context here, and I don't have time to go into it. Um, but here he is at this river. And if you saw last week, he decided to stay on this side of the river. Do you remember? And he sent all those presents to his brother Esau as he's about to come back to the land God had promised him. But he stayed on this side. And tonight, verse 22, that same night, he crosses the river. Why? Why? Why does Jacob cross at night? Why don't you wait for the morning? Have you crossed a river at night? That's not a clever thing to do, you know? Why? Is it because he's tentative? So he stays. Last week. And tonight he says, you, no, 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 no. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go. You can almost feel the man is, he's triggered. 
Do I, do, do, you know, remember one of our talks? Should I stay? Should I go? He's vacillating. Reminds me a little bit about Nicodemus. Comes to Jesus at night. It's, it's, I can't let this rest, but, you know, either way, he crosses the river. And I know I'm extrapolating from this, but it is astonishing. Jacob doesn't say, God, you cross the river. You, Jacob crosses to where he met God. You remember, long ago, Jacob met God on that side, on that land. And Jacob crosses the river. You can't bring, you know, I understand, but I say this often. You, you can't talk like this. I invited God into my life. And we talk like that. And, and it's okay. You know what we mean. But really, that's not good language. You can't bring God into your life. You have to enter into his life. And Jacob crosses the river. It's momentous in the book of Genesis. This is a huge moment, this crossing. Later on, his descendants will cross another river, the Red Sea. Anyway, he crosses. There's a line that everyone here tonight, uh, there is a line that you and I will have to cross. Ain't going to be easy. So he crosses. But look what happens, verse 23. He took his family. He sent them across the stream. He's still vacillating. And everything else that he had, verse 24, and Jacob was left alone. Alone. His whole life, he's been wheeling, dealing, chasing. He's been chasing stuff. He's been chasing women. Uh, well, actually, Rachel, but he got more than he bargained for. Uh, he's been chasing recognition. And here he is, all alone. What's he got with him? Nothing. He is without any possessions, without any family. He is absolutely alone. Can you imagine it? It's at night. This is not in the suburbs of Joondalup. This is in the desert. There's nothing there. It's dark. Imagine the stars. He's all alone. It's when he's alone that he's ready to do business with God. Here's the thing. Jacob has tried to fill his life with possessions and women, Rachel and children. And, and those things aren't bad in and of themselves. But Jacob has looked to those things to give his life significance. He's looked to those things to give his life meaning. Now he's stripped of everything. What is an idol? Anything that gives your life meaning. That if you don't have that, life's not worth living. That's an idol. And God has left Jacob here all alone. Look at verse 24. And Jacob was left alone, just in the silence. Can, can you see it? His whole life is behind him. His whole future lies ahead of him. Do you know there was a philosopher, Kierkegaard, 
and I can't quote it because I'm going by memory, but um, someone said to him once, if you were a doctor, you know the world is sick, you know, right? What would you prescribe as a remedy? And Soren Kierkegaard, a Danish philosopher, he said, quickly, I would prescribe silence. It's an odd thing. And his reasoning was because God is speaking. But it's too noisy. We've got YouTube. We've got TV. We've got work. We've got, we've got so much going on. And Kierkegaard said, if we could just have silence, we would hear God. And this is where Jacob finds himself absolutely alone. You know what? As someone once said, when God is all you have, that's when you realize God is all you need. And that's where Jacob is right now. He's lost all his idols. And he's absolutely alone. And I, I just want to warn you, you know, studying the Bible is very dangerous. Uh, so I'm going to give you warnings. You know, beware that God doesn't have to strip you before you listen to him. Just be careful. There's not wrong with having possessions. It's not wrong to have a, a wife, not wives. Um, we're not Mormon. But watch out that God doesn't have to strip you so that you will listen. Okay, so Jacob lost his idols. Secondly, Jacob lost his self-reliance. Look at verse 24. So Jacob is left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. A man, I, I thought he was all alone. Where'd this dude come from? Where did he come from? Jacob didn't go looking for him. It's pitch dark. There's no light pollution in these days. But here he comes. It's astonishing the places that God will suddenly pop up when you least expect it. When you least expect it. Even in the dark. Even in the middle of nowhere. Actually, some of you know, uh, when I finally really met God, I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. It's an odd place to meet God. But that's what happened to me. And this man suddenly grabs hold of Jacob. And the fight begins. Here comes the fight. Now, notice it's a real fight. Because look what happened. This is not a dream. This is a fight. It's a real fight. What's a fight? What is a fight? Well, a fight is when this man, if it's between men, you get chick fights, but that's another subject. It's a, it's a man. This man wants to dominate. This man wants to dominate. And there can only be one winner. There can only be one winner. That's a fight. Who's going to be the boss? Who's got Jacob wants to dominate? This other man wants to dominate, and there can only be one winner. And so there's going to be a fight. Why? Because I think it was Jesus who said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will be the master of your life, or God will be the master 
of your life. Either you will dominate your life, if I may use that language, dominate. Either you will dominate your life, or God will dominate your life. Who's the boss? And it's going to be a fight. And Jake, and it's a real fight. It's not a dream. Look at verse 25. When the man saw he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. It hurts. You can't flower that they were not throwing pansies at each other. This hurt. This hurt. And the man puts Jacob's hip. I don't know who's had a hip replacement yet, but that sounds sore. And his hip was put out of joint. Now, you, I know you're, I hope you're thinking this. But wait a minute. <laughs> this guy could have done that ages ago. They're wrestling, wrestling, wrestling the whole night long. And then suddenly he goes, oh, I'm touching Jacob. Why did, why did you take so long? Why didn't you just do that straight away? It's astonishing. It's like when you're wrestling with a child. You know you, there's always another gear. You know, I was going to be naughty and sad because some people would be offended. It's like when I play squash, I've always got another gear. But that's so wrong and not true either. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's like that. You wrestle with a child and you play, play, play. But anytime you want, you could just go up another gear. And, and so what, what's this? Well, here's what it is. It's accommodation. You're wrestling with a child means you've come down to their level. That's accommodation. God accommodates himself to us. Here he is, wrestling. He, and Jacob evaporates. No. He's on his level. It's accommodation. It's kindness. But more. Because look at verse 26. Then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. This wrestling match was all night long. Reminds me of an ACDC song, but it's not talking about wrestling, so I'll stop right there. But all night long. You know what the mystics call it? The dark night of the soul. It's that period in your life where you and God are fighting to see who's going to be the boss. For some people, it can last five minutes. My wife, just, yes, Lord. Others like me took years. Jacob, it took her 20 years more. And there's that dark night of the soul fighting. <coughs> Verse 26, then this man says, let me go for the day has broken. I did chuckle when I read some commentaries on this. I mean, let me go for the day is broken. Uh, you know, what is this, a vampire? So when the sun shines, it hurts, you know? I, I, I read the silliest things. It's like, well, they used to believe in spirits by the, you know, <laughs> you know? Or you can't see God and God's like, oh, the sun's coming out and you're going to see me. No, what is it? Let me go for the day is broken. What is it? It's this. The night is over. 
it's over. The fight is gone out of Jacob. The night is over. It's new beginnings. It's the start of a brand new day. As you're going to see, it's the start of a brand new Jacob. It's the start of a new life. The night is over. The key point is that Jacob loses his self-sufficiency. Look at verse 31. The sun rose, verse down, bottom sun. The sun rose upon Jacob. See, it's a brand new day. The sun's rising. It's a brand new day as he passed Penuel. Penuel means the face of God. Limping because of his hip. Why did the man touch Jacob's hip? Why? I'd rather take his arms off or something out. Jacob has spent his whole life flight running from God. So what does God do? Touch his hip. This man will never run again. The rest of his life he loved. Because God touched him where he was strong. You ran, you ran, you ran, you ran. You will never run again. God touches us in whatever area we're strong. In whatever area we lean on, rather than on him. For the rest of his life, Jacob will have to lean on a stick, on a friend, and above all else, on God. And that's why he lost his self-reliance. Jacob loses his idols. He loses his self-reliance. So what does he gain then? Our heading says, when you fight with God, the way to win is to lose. Jacob's lost these things. What has he won? He's won two things. Remember the fight and the flight. And the... First of all, he has one friendship with God. That's that number five F. Friends, the monster, the monster that wanted to hurt you, the monster that wanted to take from you, the monster you had to protect yourself from, turns out to be on your side, your friend. And that's what happens to Jacob. Look at verse 26. Then he said, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said... I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, I don't know about you, but when some dude has put my hip out and says, let me go, I'm going to see you, buddy. Go. You know, before he touches something else. You know, Jacob won't let go. Would you believe that he's hanging on to the person who's put his hip out? I don't know about you, but I've met... Look, look, I met a lady on Monday, but, you know, I don't even recognize her God, and yet she's a Christian. Can you believe that Jacob hangs on to a God who hurts? She kind of like told me, no, God will never hurt you. 
Wow. Well, there goes Genesis 32 then, right? Why does Jacob cling to this man? Because he's lost everything else. His idols are gone. His self-reliance is gone. And when you've got nothing, you hang on. And so he clings to God. I love the way Jacob doesn't say, I will not let you go until you fix my hip. There's no healing campaign here. Jacob's not even thinking of his hip, and it must have been sore. He's thinking of something better. Something better than physical well-being. Jacob wants to be blessed. I will not let you go. He's clinging until you bless me. Um, it's just amazing. What a picture this is of faith. This is what faith looks like, everybody. Hanging on to God until he comes good. Well, watch what happens. Look at verse 27. Jacob said, I won't let you go until you And he said to him, what's your name? And he said, Jacob, who here thinks the man didn't know what Jacob's name was? Do you think God was stumbling in the dark and he bumped into Jacob? What a lucky coincidence. Oh, what's your name? Why does he say to Jacob, what is your name? He knows what Jacob's name is. Well, look at the answer. Jacob says, my name is Jacob. What does Jacob mean? If you've been coming all these weeks. Jacob means deceiver. The man is saying to Jacob, own your sin. Own it. Tell your dad the tool shed's in a mess. If you don't, it's not going to help you. Say, my name is adulterer. My name is pornographer, or whatever that is. My name is cheap. My name is pride. Say it. My name is Jacob. I'm a deceiver. God gets Jacob to own his sin. Because any relationship is based on honesty. If I lie and say my tool shed's lovely, Dad's not going to help me. And that's the first step. When you own your sin, you're ready for God to transform you. And that's what happens. My name is Jacob in verse 28. Then the man said, I love this. Here's the Christian hope. You shall no longer be called Jacob. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Your history, your past is over. It's, it's just so healing. Your name's no longer Mr. Dirty Toolshed, or whatever, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. This is the first mention in the Bible of the word Israel. And the word Israel means to strive with God, to fight with God. God transforms Jacob. By the way, do you remember, those of you who have you know, memories as old as an archaeologist or whatever, do you remember our first talk in this whole series? What was it called? 
God's word prescribes history. Look at this. God says to Israel, you have fought with God and with men and prevailed. I don't know about you, but I'm standing here in 2021. There is a nation called Israel and they are surrounded by hostile people and they're still fighting to this day. God's word prescribes history. That nation Israel went on to fight with God and every other nation to today. God's word prescribes history. But it's only God who can give you a brand new identity. This is not Jacob going, you know what, I've got a sore hip and I haven't done very well. I think I'm going to call myself Bob. Self-reformation is useless, according to Jesus. It's God who transforms him and gives him a new identity. Look at verse 29. Then Jacob asked him, tit for tat, please tell me your name. Why does he want to know his name? Because we're moving to that fifth F, friendship. You know me. I want to know you. That, that, that's friendship. Who are you? Oh, that was, that was scary. <laughs> Unknown. Who are you? What does theological liberalism say at this point? Well, you know, don't ask God his name. How about this? Call him whatever you want to. You know what? I think I shall call you hip toucherer. No, no, I'll call you Allah. No, I'll call you Shiva. No, well, you know what? It doesn't matter. You call God whatever you want to. No, because that's all fake. If you want a real friendship, you have to say to God, tell me your name. Who are you really? And God tells him. Or does he? Look at verse 29. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? Oh, you know, God's ways are amazing. What's your name, God? And God says, well, easily, my name is. He doesn't tell him. He says, why do you ask? Well, that's what is God doing? God doesn't say, make it up. What is God doing? Well, I think there's two reasons. On the one hand, God is saying, Jacob, why do you ask? You already know. Don't you remember on Wednesday nights at the God Talks? <laughs> Don't you remember I met you? And I said to you, I am the God of your father Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. Remember when Jacob was leaving the land? Jacob, what are you doing? Have you forgotten? I'm that God. Why do you are? You should know. But there's another reason. And that's because God has not yet fully revealed himself. And this is what's going to happen. It's interesting. You know that question, what is your name? Someone says to God, Jacob, what is your name? Do you know someone else asked God that? Moses. Moses also fought with God for 40 years in the wilderness. And then God met him in a burning bush. And God said, go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses said to him, well, well, well who are you? And then Moses says, and if they ask me, what is your name? 
This time God says, what does he say? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and astonishingly, the God of Jacob. But God reveals more. God says, and I am Yahweh. God reveals more of himself. But people, it doesn't stop there. It didn't end there. It ended when God himself came into the world and revealed himself fully and finally. And I've got a passage there in front of you. Look on your outlines at Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. What is your name? And the angel comes and says to Mary, this thing is that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And what does it say in Matthew 1 21? You shall call his name. Hey, you know what? Why don't you Google it? What's the most popular names at the moment? Pick one of those. Every second person in the Bible is called Peter or Matthew. And if you're a girl, Mary. Pick one of those. No, I'll tell you. Call his name Jesus. That's the final revelation of God. That's who he is. Who's your God? The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is who God is. Jacob wins friendship with God. You will see that he walks past. Look what he says in verse 30. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face. And yet my life has been delivered. I know God. I met God. Me and God were like this. We're friends. Finally, tonight, Jacob wins blessing. Last thing for this whole series. Look at verse 29. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. Wow, people. How long is this? How long is this sermon going to be? No, never mind that. This whole series, Jacob has been deceiving and cheating and chasing. He's been racing after blessing. Jacob has tried to get blessing out of Esau by ripping him off. Jacob's trying to get blessing out of Isaac by stealing. Jacob is trying to get blessing out of Laban by crooking him. And all the while, the thing he was searching for was with God. Augustine famously said, Seek what you seek, but it is not where you seek it. All along, this blessing was with God. And what was the blessing? What was the blessing? God leaned over and gave him a Mercedes-Benz. No, the blessing is God himself. Look at verse 30. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, I've seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. God gave Jacob himself. You know, if God gives you anything else he's cheating on you there's more god gives you anything 
He's cheating on you because there's more. But if God gives you himself, what more can you get? He's given you everything. And so we end up this series. At, it's in your outline. Genesis 33 verse 20. Jacob erects an altar. We looked at this last week and calls it the God of Israel. My God. He has fought with God and he is one God. Now we need to close. That's our series. But I want to say to you all tonight, don't go find the river Jabbok and don't try and, you know, marry another wife and then send her across the river, although that thought has probably entered your mind. I want to tell you this. God has given himself, not just to Jacob, but to you. God has given himself to you. You see this man here? This man here, this hip toucherer, this wrestler. Do you know that this man came back again? His name is Jesus. And he came back into the world. Have a look in your outlines at Luke chapter 1, verse 31. Look at what it says. You shall call his name Jesus. He will deliver his people from their sins. And look how he's even described as from the God of Jacob. That word delivers the very word Jacob used. I'm telling you all that that man came back. And the difference was when he came back, look at us, some of us here have had hip replacements, but most of us can walk without a limp. Do you know why? Because he came back to hang on a cross. Jesus Christ didn't have his hip put out of joint. He had his entire body put out of joint. He was pinned to a cross. He did that so that the floodgates of God's blessing can come to you without your hip being displaced. All you have to do like Jacob is cling to him. To go to Jesus and say, I will not let you go until you give God to me. Until I meet God, I'm going to hang on. There are so many people I meet. I tried Christianity. I tried Christianity for 2.6 minutes and it didn't work. You've got to cling. You've got to hold on to Jesus. And let me tell you, it might mean that you limp. For the rest of your life. But you know what? I'd rather limp into heaven than run into hell. This God offers himself to you. And you will be able to erect an altar and say, The God of Jacob, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that God is mine. Well, let's leave it there. That's the end of our series, Studying the Life of Jacob. I'm going to give you a few moments, and then I'm going to pray, and we'll take a quick couple of questions, and then we'll take a break over the holidays. Oh, and I'm going to switch off the recorder.